Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, the importance of security and critical infrastructure with special guest Carla Trevino from Irdetto. Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Darren, and thank you for having me here. I'm excited for our talks. Yeah, so Carla and I have been working together on um, a joint effort between Intel and Irdetto. Carla is a solution architect. I'm a solution architect, so we got two real geeky people on, on today on the episode, which should be a lot of fun. And we're working together on um, uh, security in the OT space, which is really fascinating stuff. But first, Carla, before we get into the geeky stuff, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, so Carl Trevino, my name. I'm originally from Mexico. I'm currently living in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, I've had an interesting path on my career international-wise. I've lived in several countries. The past four years, I was living in Germany. Um I know very much what it is about working cross-cultural and living cross-cultural, I can say that. Um, I'm an engineer from background, so yeah, geeky would be the nice term. I studied industrial engineering and mechatronics engineering, and after a couple of years of working, I decided I wanted to study more engineering, so I did a master in science in mobility systems engineering. And where I focused in autonomous driving, um, cars, vehicles, and so on. So yeah, I love technology, engineering. <laughs> That's um, something that I'm into, <laughs> pretty much. All right, finally, a real engineer on the show. I've had others, but it's great to have someone that just, you love learning, I can tell, Carla. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. And then also a little bit, I'm going to, this is, you don't know, I'm going to ask this question. What has been some of the hardest things when you move to a new culture? Because you said you've moved to different cultures throughout the world. It sounds like you've been a lot of places. What's one of the hardest things to get used to when you first move? Mm, I would say, first of all, if you don't know the language, that's a great barrier. So um, when I moved yeah. to Germany, I couldn't speak any German. So that was hard part to start on. It's been really hard, yeah. <laughs> but getting used to people's behavior, like people acting on different way, the typical things that you don't know as if do you have to tip the servers when you go to a restaurant? What are the normal <laughs> like how do people behave in certain circumstances or things like that or critical conversations, like maybe politics. How do people talk about those things? Uh, that's hard. And then I always miss Mexican food. So that's all. I was going to say, I, I love Mexican food because I live in California. And I'm a, I'm a fourth generation Californian. So we have a lot of Mexican food in California. And I've been to Europe. There is no good Mexican food in Europe. No. <laughs> I can only <laughs> confirm. So you can you can confirm that. That's good to know. All right, let's let's dive right into this. First off, what first off, what is critical infrastructure? When we say that term critical infrastructure, what do we really mean? Well, when we talk about critical infrastructure, it talks about any 
open point that can lead, or uh, let me see, how do I not get so technical into answering this question? <laughs> you can get technical. Um, let's start being basic. So critical infrastructure um, comes from critical, right? On what can bring chaos if it's exposed? What can be, uh, when, when, some, when you're managing something, when you're managing infrastructure, if something goes wrong in certain points or in certain parts, that is definitely something that is critical to start with. We can, we can start with the definition part of it. So any yeah. point that can, be, that can be a trigger for chaos can be considered critical. So in, in this case, when we talk about it, we're talking about chaos in the real world. Yes. Not in not in the virtual world, right? This is very different than IT infrastructure. There's very little critical infrastructure in the IT world. In the OT world, critical infrastructure, I mean, people die, right? Yeah. If things go wrong, right? Exactly. I mean, chaos on like uh, on a people level, let's call it like that. So, I mean, there yeah, can be there, chaos there on the IT world, level. but it's chaos that you can solve by fixing some things when there is chaos on critical infrastructure or when you're talking about transportation, when there's chaos, people can die, accidents can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So we've seen an uptick in the importance of critical infrastructure over the last probably five years and a little bit pre-COVID, but absolutely during, pre uh, during COVID, we saw critical infrastructure being attacked um, relentlessly in some cases. Um, have you guys, have you noticed that too in the transportation wor uh, world as well? Definitely. More attacks, more? Definitely. I think it's a combination of probably people were bored <laughs> from not being able to be outside <laughs> and started to get creative. Uh, people got very, I mean, creativity moved into like fears for other people. So probably that was something that was generated for being locked in the time that we were locked in COVID. Definitely this had started before. So we would like, you would see certain creativities that would harm or that would look into people just testing out, hey, what happens if I do this? And, but this creativity, I think went beyond what we had seen on the COVID period, it can be a combination of people being bored, of people having more time to get creative while being at home, or of uh, yeah, of more fears coming out from people's mind and people's mouth. Yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. The you know society as a whole was kind of disrupted, right, with COVID worldwide, um, and uh, people started toying around. I think boredom was part of it. Um, I also think with more people working from home, we also increased the attack surface. So now there were more people working remote. Even people that were working on, in managing critical infrastructure were working remote now. And I think that broke down some of the security measures that we used to keep in place. Definitely. And what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You think that? I mean, I am. I can only agree, and I think uh, the fact that the companies had to adjust so quick to everyone working from home, they had to adjust their networks, they had to adjust uh, the 
workloads they had to adjust so many things and on a short like we can say on a very very short period of time and this opened the possibilities for uh attacks into different levels than before because then if you were living in a building and you had 20 apartments let's say in that building you could have access or you could have a potential like you knew everyone was there and you knew everyone was working and you probably talked to your neighbors before so um, it opened up the possibility of getting into more layers than it would have been before So let's talk specific. Let's drill down a little bit into transportation um, specifically um, and how, how has that changed over the last three or four years and, and what kind of threat vectors and what kind of threats are we seeing in that area? Mm -hmm. Well, I would talk about maybe, yeah, what has happened is um, transportation is becoming more connected. You have more services that are being offered. You have more connectivity in vehicles, in infrastructure, and with connectivity, there always comes the potential. I mean, there comes all the beauties that there is with them. You can control them, but if you can control them, you can control them for the good or for the bad, right? And uh, and this gotcha. comes. I mean, this comes from um from the services that the um, providers are giving to the final customers those that are being transported that they want to have more digital services but also the services that are being offered to the transport suppliers or providers from their suppliers themselves everyone wants to become more digital everyone wants to have more connectivity more access to data more access to information and all of that comes with opening your transport network, which was formerly not open. So what we know as air gap. So it was not connected. It was safe per definition. Right. So and, and I think this is interesting because you said services to the customers. So services like Wi-Fi on the train, um, other digital services like streaming, uh, video and entertainment, all those sorts of things. I think people don't understand all those sorts of things provide unique connectivity to do that, right? And what you're saying is they've broken down that air gap that originally the train was connected, but that was control systems. Those were critical systems, right? Controlling the train. All of a sudden, those those uh, there's connectivity between those critical infrastructure, and also all this other connectivity that I have. Is that what I'm hearing? Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's exactly so, the point. So what's, so, um, so why not just use the IT security stuff we've been doing for years and just put that on the train? Why, why doesn't that work? Well, there are several aspects to that. Um, first aspect is when you talk about IT, when we when we talk about like the devices that are using IT and the world of IT, we can say it's a world that it's pretty standardized. Uh, that's not true for the OT world. We have a, a huge ecosystem with huge differences in devices, fielded devices and such that are following different um, 
protocols that are implemented on different, uh, even if you go like, internationally every country has a different way of implementing and so on so it's not standardized it's not homologized and um and therefore from that side it's already a very different level from the it second level is what we discussed before the um, the differences in critical infrastructure in talking about well if you're on the train and you're a person and something happens to the train, well, there's a possibility of persons getting injured yeah. or worse. So you have to, from one side, handle it on a different level because you're talking about different things completely. And why are you talking about different things and the complexities that come with that go with the standardized, the different um, devices, the different um, everything that there is. Now that this this I, I love how you said it's not standardized, so it's highly heterogeneous. So I can't apply just one security standard and just go. Well, yeah, every everyone needs to just follow this. Um, so that's one aspect, and then the other one I kind of want to pick at a little bit, and that is if there's a problem in your IT network, a security problem, I isolate it and I quarantine it, right? And then I shut it down. I can't do that in critical infrastructure, can I? No. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to isolate a train and shut it down? And I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's a big problem, right? Definitely. definitely. How do, you can't just shut it down and, and move, the, move the workload somewhere else. It's on a physical device. And you cannot freeze it until we see what's going on. So the approach, it sounds like the approach in OT and critical is very, very different. It is, it is. And I think this is one of the things that the industry and everyone around it has to, first of all, understand why it's different, but also understand the differences between IT and OT. I think sometimes this is not so clear for certain persons or, yeah. So first, well, while... especially if you're a cybersecurity expert, right? If you're a cybersecurity expert, you just come in and say, oh, it's a cybersecurity problem. This is what we do, right? We identify, we detect, we quarantine, we do forensics on it. Then we, you can't do that in OT. So it's a completely different space. Exactly. Yeah. So th this, this sounds to me like a disaster just waiting to happen. Right, we've collapsed the OT and IT networks together in some aspects because I want more connectivity. I want more data coming out of those trains to run analytics on. And at the same time, we've seen an uptick in cyber um, threats and cyber um, malfeasance, if that's a word. Um, and so, and people that don't have a, a real good knowledge on how to do OT security, sounds like. A disaster waiting to happen is that true well we hope we don't get to that point so this is exactly what we're trying to do we're trying to work together with the industry educate on the complexities educate we don't want to bring fear it's not about bringing fear to the industry it's about opening the eyes before the disaster happens and uh, looking at cybersecurity. i mean you can, we sometimes do this comparison. It's a sad comparison, but 
you can see cybersecurity kind of like an insurance. You don't want to have the insurance after your house burnt down. You want to have it before it right. burnt down. You want it not to burn down, of course. Yes, you don't want it to burn down, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get to the point where your house is on fire. But if your house is on fire, you want to have an insurance. And right. this is exactly, well, cybersecurity is going to prevent the having the fire, let's say. So, in, I mean, it's a different level of complexity, but we we think there's a, there's a lot of education that needs or that is happening that at the moment. And we're working together um, with um, a lot of players. And I think this is, I mean, the cybersecurity on the OT side, I think we are all on the same side. We're all wanting to educate the industry to help them be aware of what there is so that they consciously decide that they need something and take preventive measures before that something happens. These attacks are getting more and more complex. Does that mean if I do have critical infrastructure that I need to hire a cybersecurity expert or I need to hire a firm to help me do that? Or can I do it on my own? Is it, is it, can I educate myself to do it on my own or not? Well, what would, what would you say? I would say it's very hard to educate yourself in topics that you don't know. So uh, from one side, I mean, if you're confident that you are an expert on the matter and that you can do it on yourself because you have the expertise, then it can be that you build it. But if you're trying to say, hey, this is something that I, I mean, you need experts and experts are only going to be experts if they've done it before, if they know what they're talking about. So um, there are, of course, standards, which is, I mean, we all work on, I mean, industry works on standard basis, right? Sadly, what we're seeing today is that the standards are running behind the development that is coming with the industry. So, uh, of course, you can follow, if you want to develop things in-house, you say, well, I'm following the standards that are mandated. The question is, is that enough? Isn't and enough? Yeah. if you're not yeah. able to answer that, by your own, probably you don't have the expertise to assess whether what kind of cybersecurity solutions you need, what kind of protections do you need, where your where are your vulnerabilities, and things like that. So this is where your dedo comes in, right? You guys have a long history of securing critical infrastructure, um, and so. I'm sure you guys have seen an uptick in business in the last couple of years. I would guess you have. Is that true to see? Yeah. Well, Yardetto, it's a company that started doing cybersecurity 50 years ago, and that is five zero, not one five. So we've That's a built... long time, yeah. It's more than I've been alive, I can tell you that. So um, we've... We have experts and we have expertise that has been evolving as industries have been evolving, as this malicious attacks have been evolving. And we're no, there's no end point to this. There's going to be new ways of, people are going to get more creative as technology is advancing and there's going to be new ways of attacking. But companies like our company, we are a company, we have around about 1,000 employees, but 70% of them are in research and development. 
And they're looking into what kind of attacks exist today, but also what kind of attacks can exist in the future. And we're doing research into that. And we're making sure that we are future proof. We want to be one step ahead. We want to make sure that our customers are going to be protected, not only the moment that they get a secured system, but also as the security as the system is evolving and the new use cases are coming, that our our services are also evolving with them and that they're going to be secured in the future as well. So it's not something that you just buy and you implement it today. You can't just buy it and say, oh, I'm secure, right? Yeah. That <laughs> no, that makes sense. And I like how you said, I mean, everything's evolving, right? The cyber criminals are getting really uh, sophisticated. Uh, we saw that um, with uh, the Centennial Pipeline breach. That was very interesting. And there's been several others as well um, that that the people thought they were air-gapped, but they weren't um, because cyber criminals have figured out how to bridge air-gaps now um, in creative, very creative ways. So tell me a little bit about the types of, you, you mentioned tools that you guys have. But what's your approach when, when you talk about securing critical infrastructure? What are the key tenants that you guys uh, put into place both in, in process and technology? Because I know you guys do both, right? And uh, so tell, tell us a little bit about your portfolio, what you guys have available to help people. Well, there is, um, let's say, there are always the two sides of the story, right? When it comes to, hey, I'm a customer, I need some support. So there are, and there are different levels where the customers are. There are customers that really know what they want and what they need. And you can talk very straightforward into the solutions that they need. And this is where we can talk about portfolio, about specifics. So what do you need? Are you talking about, you need PKI? Do you need some kind of keys and credentials life uh, cycle management? Do you need, are you looking into protecting your network? Do you need an anomaly detection system? These are all solutions that we offer. We offer, for example, software protection as well. Um, but there's also customers that are kind of more into, I don't know what I need. I don't know. Where yeah, I'm yeah. You, you don't know what you don't know, right? That's tough. So, I mean, we have expertise and we're more than happy to walk with our customers, to walk with the end, uh, with what kind of solutions are there in the industry? There are several practices that you can have that you can implement. For example, when you're talking about, I want to protect my asset, we can make some kind of guidelines uh, like device hardening to detect where the vulnerabilities are and detect what kind of solutions are needed to mitigate those vulnerabilities that the customers have. So we can, we mostly work on implementing uh, managed services because we do believe that the customer needs us to work together with them and give them a solution, as I said before, not that, hey, here's what you need, put it on your on your system and there you go, you're good to go. Because the thing, the, the threats are evolving, the hackers are getting more creative, technology is evolving, so we want to, that our solutions evolve with them. We want to make sure that our expertise is being offered throughout the lifespan of the, um, of the asset that we're protecting. But we can also offer 
what there is before some kind of professional services that might be needed so that they're aware of what they need to implement beforehand. Right. And I, I love that you guys have that service because you're right. A lot of people don't know how to even secure their critical infrastructure, right? Maybe they just use the Purdue model, which is, oh, I just air gapped it. And then someone walks in with a USB key and sticks it into a device. And all of a sudden you got malware spread throughout the whole OT network. And we've seen that time and time again. So you guys understand the crim the criminal, <laughs> let's call them what they are, or the nation state that's trying to disrupt your critical infrastructure. Uh, so it's good to have you guys come in and kind of do an assessment, right? This is where you're at. These are the tools that you need and, and so on and so forth. I, I love the approach. I think it's, it's uh, very valuable. If people want to find out more about this approach and what your data can bring to the table, where do they go? They can start going to our website. That's your detto. You spell it I-R-D-E-T-O dot com slash connected dash transport. There you can find some information about our products. Definitely. There's also an option to contact us directly from there. And, uh, and then you can like, we can schedule a first call to get to know you, that you get to know us and that we start understanding what the requirements are. So, I mean, you can get a good understanding of our products from the website, but don't be shy to ask for, for getting in contact with us. And we will make sure to give that information more in accordance to what the customer specifically is needing or the company. Oh, that, that's great. Also, you guys, we work together. Intel and your dad are working together uh, so that uh, you guys can even make your uh, tools even more secure by using Intel's uh, technology under the cover. So a great partner here, Dado, I, and Carla, thank you. It's been, uh, it's been very enlightening today. I, I learned a lot of things. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And yeah, I'm looking forward into our collaboration. I think bringing security foundation from hardware plus adding extra layers of uh, software on the security in top of it. What Intel has to bring plus what your Teto has to bring will definitely help the industry get one step further into being more secure. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, Give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.